all. Jen and Eric and I just wanted to take a minute at the top of this episode to thank you all for being with us for almost three full seasons. And we are getting started uh, thinking about season four. We have a couple of really big ideas that we want to tackle in season four, but we also wanted to hear a little bit from you. So to that end, we are running a very short survey. It shouldn't take you any longer than five minutes to fill it out. And we'd really appreciate it if you would visit fatedmates.net or for some of you, there's a link right in the podcasting app. Thank you so, so much for listening. And we are very, very grateful for all of you. That said, one more thing. I have a book coming out next month. On August 24th, Bombshell is here. Bombshell is the first in my new Hell's Bells series about a Victorian-era girl gang. And Cecily Talbot, who you will remember from some older books of mine, is back, a badass bombshell of a heroine who is not afraid to kick some ass and take some names and have some fun in the process. If you like a badass heroine, if you like a hero who has absolutely desperately pining for her. If you like it when people get justifiably punched in the face, I think this might be a book that you enjoy. We will have a deep dive episode on Bombshell in August, and so you can pre-order it now and be ready for it then. Thank you so, so much for reading, for listening, and now here's Nikki Sloan talking about taboo romance. We've been saying that we wanted to do this for like three years. We've talked about we've talked about Nikki Sloan's books on the podcast before. So many times. So many times because we can't stop. Jen and I have like texted about Nikki Sloan's books for years. And here we are. Nikki Sloan is with us. Yay! Hi everybody! Hi Nikki! <laughs> so welcome. Nikki, welcome to Faded Mates. Thank you so much. I'm so am... excited to have you. I'm so excited too. So everyone knows that we are big, big fans of you. We did an episode, was it Three Last Little Mistakes? Year? Last yeah. year we did. Time has yeah. no meaning, Sarah. Who knows? Three Little Mistakes, <laughs> which is, I don't know, at the time it was my favorite Nikki Sloan, but since then I've sort of... Mm, you've moved on. Kind of. Uh, well, during the pandemic, I sort of, it was really the Sloan pandemic for me. <laughs> you read like every Nikki Sloan Maybe book we'll say you leveled up. <laughs> I did. I did level up and I read um, the I read the arc. Wait, what's the series that's all about Medusa? Help me. Filthy Rich Americans. Yeah, the Filthy Rich American series. I read that whole thing. I mean, really, I like. Oh, you read that in like a day. I read it in a day. I like lay in bed and read it in a day. I I mean, I had already read Redemption because it's a standalone. And so Mm -hmm. I was waiting for, you know, I was waiting for a good length of time to like read all the three books together, the first three books together. Oh, it was so delicious. And then I had to obviously reread Redemption, which just won an award. It did. It won the, the Holt. Uh, award, so that was very exciting. And it's nominated for a Vivian Award, which is the new nice. RWA award in erotic romance. So we're going to talk a little bit about erotic romance too. But Nikki, you are here to talk about taboo. Yes. Because some <laughs> of my favorite romances from you are taboo romances. Right. Like Pool Boy, which we've talked about on the podcast yep. because it had the dirtiest thing I've ever read in my life. Sarah's face right now. Like, really? It. Like, like someone gave her a plate of cookies. I know. It's so good. And then I texted Jen. And I was like, oh my God, Jen. Actually, and I, was I texted like, our group text with Kate Claiborne, who everybody who, Kate's been 
been on many times. Everybody who listens to Faded Mates knows that Kate is like the antithesis of us in that she does not like she anything. She is easily shocked. I think is how I would say that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> right. And I was like, you guys, I just read this really filthy thing, and I've never read it anywhere in a romance novel. It's so hot and super filthy. <laughs> and Jen was like, give it to me now. <laughs> and Kate, I like, downloaded it immediately. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And, we and then like, she was like, prepared. I'm not. You're not ready. No. <laughs> it's okay. You know what? But it there's was, a book for everyone. That's all that matters. You know, and is. this book was for at least two, <laughs> at least two thirds of us. <laughs> um, but then I think we sold a lot of your books because the second I said it, people on Twitter were like, oh, yeah. Yes. I immediately, I immediately one clicked that book. So um, anyway, so what we want to get into, you're here to talk about Taboo. You've written kind of all around Taboo. And it would be great. Like, maybe yes. we can just dive right in with how do we think of, how do you think about your books? Do you think about them all in terms of like, I'm going to write a taboo book and then, you know, lean in or what is, you know, where do you come, how do you come from it? So I don't, I don't ever set out like, oh, this book's going to be taboo. I mean, The Pool Boy was different in that I knew I wanted to do a cougar romance because I'd never mm-hmm. done that before. But we just call it age gap. But I guess if we're going to call it a cougar romance, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, she's the expert. You're the expert. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so much age gap. When you say age gap, I think I always default. An older man, right. Yeah. So so usually when I set out to write a book, I just think, like, what's hot to me? And then it, I guess I just lean towards taboo. (laughs) I mean, we're fine with it. So before we, like, talk about, like, what's hot to me, I really would like us to talk about taboo, like, as a thing, right? Because Sarah and I in text messages have talked about this a lot. So I would say the difference between, so to me, and Sarah and I all year have been sort of obsessed with, like, drawing the Venn diagram of romance, I I guess I'd call it. And to me, taboo is, like, a subset of erotic romance. And I would say the factor, like, the thing that defines it is that element of the forbidden. Right. Right. And I, and one of the things that I'm really interested in digging into is what kind of things that are forbidden can still like push the, like we're all rats running around the romance maze. Right. Right. So what are the things that can push that lever and like give us the like pellet of romance while still being taboo. And then, like, sometimes there are things that I would say, like, are are not, are sort of out of bounds and would, like, always be out of bounds, maybe. And so I'm really interested in, like, when, you know, when the uh, the other two, you know, when you or Sarah, when we think about taboo, like, so, like, f- something that's forbidden often for me means it's crossing a boundary that society has okay. said is a boundary, right? Um or that it's crossing a boundary that religion says is a boundary. Somewhere around there, too, it butts up against dark romance. Yeah. But I don't think all dark is taboo. And certainly, and I'm right. sort of tempted to say, I mean, I'm going to jump right into talking about authors. Because I think in this in this conversation, mm-hmm. it helps to, like, use Be specific, right. But I'm thinking about Saffron Kent, right, who writes very sexy books, but and they are definitely taboo, right? The Unrequited is a, right. is about a professor and a student. The um, her most 
her doctor, Medicine Man, is about um, a woman in an institution who falls in love with the, the doctor there. Um, and then the... I'm trying to think of what the third one is. Oh, Dreams of 18, which is in that same series, is age gap by a lot. Like, it's... Right. She ends up, you know, having to basically, like, leave town... Her leave town because she falls for her best friend's father. And it's, like, a huge scandal. But the books aren't... Sure, they're, like, hot, but they're not... I wouldn't call them erotic. They're just really steamy. I would. You would because of the theme? Well, I think it's really hard now because I'm, like, you know, nothing sexy anymore. But the sex isn't essential. I guess the sex is essential. But it is. I really do (laughs) think it is. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, Medicine Man, they don't... I mean, like, they don't do it for... So, to me, erotic romance doesn't mean, like, they're banging all the way through from page one. Right. Right? It's not about the volume of the sex scenes or the volume of anything else. Bodily fluids, right? It's, I think, about whether or not that sexual relationship is revelatory. Let's let's go to the expert because... (laughs) (laughs) I am not an expert. (laughs) No, but you were the president of the erotic romance chapter of RWA for a while. And you have written, I think, some of the best erotica, erotic romance out there. So, oh, thank you. And I am an expert, so. I would agree with that. So, yeah. <laughs> your ways. So, right. I'm curious for you to talk a little bit about how you see all of it fitting together and w- where the definitions are. So, I'm, I listened to you guys talk about your definition of erotic romance, and I thought that was fascinating how you talked about a lot of people define erotic romance as being, um, if you remove the sex scenes— the story falls apart. But then I think it was you, Jen, that said, you don't like that definition because it's the absence of something that's defining it. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. So I still, I still feel like the definition for erotic romance is so. It's murky. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, which is a problem for us. So, so for me, it's, it's a little bit of, it is the amount of sex scenes. I, I think you can certainly have an erotic novel that has no sex scenes at all. It can still be highly erotic. But when you have a book that's 80% sex scenes, it's hard for me not to call that. Not to, right. right. I would agree. One of the things Jennifer Porter has said on Twitter is that she likes the definition of, like, erotic romance essentially being, like, the two people's sexual relationship is constantly redefining their relationship yeah. with each other. That's mm-hmm. great. And I like that definition a lot because it then it doesn't feel like it is about how many sex scenes or how hot hot it is or whatever, but just that like their sexual relationship is really integral to their emotional relationship, maybe. Yeah. But again, that's I don't know that it's less murky. <laughs> you know, I don't know how you define that, but it feels better. It feels kind of right in in a way that just saying, like, if you took it out of the book, the book would collapse. Yeah. But I think when it's taboo romance, then the thing that makes it taboo is you're having sex with somebody you shouldn't. Right. Well, I mean, there could be other taboos, too. But, but yeah, I mean, an erotic romance, absolutely. So let's talk about that, what you just said. There can be other taboos, too, right? So there's there are these kind of logical taboos that we can all sort of, if, if we said to anybody who reads romance, name taboos, they'd say, like, oh, well, I guess age gap, I guess priests, right. <laughs> I guess, like, Doctor, Ste- the pseudo incest, yeah, 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 yeah. step siblings. Although I, I, and maybe this is saying more about me than the genre, but like step siblings fe- seem fine to me. They do to me too. 
I think there are people who push the boundaries when, like, they've been they step-sibling. They grew up together. Yes, as opposed yeah. to just, like, we met when we were but teenagers. But that gets into this murky area of, like, one of the things that I think we don't include, and I don't think we should, is anything that has that is with people who are underage. Right. Agreed. Right? Like, right. books that don't, and and I, that feels to me like that's a, that's definitely a hard line and a hard mm-hmm. limit for the genre and for me. And I assume it's because of, I mean, it's because of morality and legality, I guess. But, like, we don't say the same thing about non-con, and that's also illegal. It's just, it's a squicky, it's a bad area. I think there are these universal taboos that you're just not going to touch. You're not going to touch bestiality mm-hmm. or pedophilia or any of those. Those are the universal taboos. That's that line that pretty much nobody wants to cross. Exactly. But then you have, like, the next level down of the taboos that people like to toe the line. You know, they get right up to that line or flirt with that line. Like, the pseudo-incest, even though that's, to me, is... I think in 2015, that was more taboo than it is now. I mean, I remember when everyone... You could not open your Kindle without finding a list of stepbrother romances. And it was like everybody had thought, like, this was the most scandalous thing we could ever come up with. Yeah. Um, and now I think thanks to people like Nikki, we've all discovered even darker <laughs> corners of our brain. Of our brain. I've desensitized everyone. I also think non-consent and, and dubious consent sort of lives in that space. And this is where we butt up against dark romance. And Nikki, I know that you have a series that deals with non, non-consent. And so could you talk, would you be willing to talk a little bit about the sordid sure. story? So um, in 2016, I had written four books that were very, um, they're just menage, they're low angst, high heat, um, like office romance type books. And um, I had this story in the back of my mind that would not shut up and I had to write it. I had to just get it out. And so, um, but it was really, really dark and taboo. Um, Sorted begins with uh, a virgin hero, heroine who has had sort of this crush on her TA and she runs into him at a party and they've both been drinking. They go upstairs, they get to talking. She's all excited because... She's had this crush on him and um, they're fooling around and she's way into it. But then they get up to the moment and she's like, whoa, let's put the brakes on this. And he's like, oh, no, that ship has sailed. This is happening. So um, from there, the book actually gets much darker (laughs) because because he he sort of realizes, oh, no, I've crossed this line. She's going to go to the police and um, my family's mafia and we can't have that so he has to basically convince her to to stay with him and um so the book is it's it like i said it was very dark for me i was very and for the time yeah it feels right. like it was like right on the edge of dark romance becoming yeah right acceptable and i hadn't read any dark romance before writing this. I just went in like completely blind and um, I didn't do my research when I wrote it. Um, So like I included a trigger warning that like spelled everything out. And um, when I uploaded it to Amazon, that trigger warning coupled with a very hot cover um, uh, that the cover was so hot, it actually landed me in the, the Amazon dungeon, which is the place where 
you can only get to the book if you have a direct link. You can't search for the book. So basically mm-hmm. nobody can buy your book unless they have that direct link. And um, so it goes in the dungeon and then Amazon reads the book and says, oh no, there's a scene of, of rape in this book. Um, you, you're blocked. You cannot sell this book on Amazon. I bet they were still selling Lolita. I'm just Oh, yes. And and so my publicist and I, I mean, we had many phone calls with Amazon asking them, you know, why is all these other books, why is George R.R. Martin's books fine? But why is, you know, this this one scene? And I even changed it a little bit to make it a little more dubious, where instead of saying no, she says wait. And but still it would it would not fly. So um so I made the the choice to publish it on all the other retailers who none of them had any problem with it. Um, and so to this day, you still can't buy it on its own on Amazon, but you can buy it with mm-hmm. oh, the second book together. Oh, you can buy a package together. Yes. So Sorted and, and its follow-up book, Torrid, you can buy those as the Sorted duet, but you, for some reason, can't buy the first book. They just, they won't have me, they won't let me sell just the first book, <laughs> which makes no sense, but. Did you change the cover too? So all I did was um, her bra is very low on on the original. So I just used Photoshop and pulled her bra up a little bit to hide some of the cleavage. And then that was... Would you share the original cover with yeah. us and we can share Sure, sure. I mean, but absolutely. You, you, yeah. It's a very minuscule change. It's almost like a what's the... Dip, find the spot the difference in these yeah. two pictures. It's kind of like what they did to those of girls course. in that Florida yearbook last year. Yes. Last week, right? Yeah. Oh, we did that. What happened? But it was a better Photoshop. They photoshopped pictures. They I didn't photoshopped. See this. There was a Florida high school, and they photoshopped is. essentially girls' shirts up. If there was even a hint, yes. And it was so ridiculous. Of course, I have some feelings about that. So this is what's fascinating because this I remember when this happened, and I remember it being sort of scandalous that this had happened. Like we. Nobody could understand, like, how this could possibly, like, it just felt wrong, right? I mean, The Flame and the Flower is available in all formats on (laughs) Amazon. Um, But now I feel like the door, the gates opened since 2016, and now basically everything goes on Amazon. Right. um, Because of the advent of dark romance, which, again, we talk about in a different episode, but is, it does feel a little bit like it's important to say dark romance rose since 2016. I think there's like a, there's a marker to be made on that, for that year. One of the things Jen and I talk about all the time is like romance is always responding to the way, to what's happening in the world around us. Um, So before we move on, one of the things that I think I'm really curious about, though, is, and I can talk to myself about, like, when I want to read these books, but, you know, when we are exploring these topics, right, what do you think, I mean, because we talk all the time about, you know, romance is the genre of hope, or it's, like, really, like, an emotional journey, so when we put taboo topics on the page, why do you, you said you had this, like, book in you. right. Can you talk to Baby about, like, what you think the book was doing? Or if readers responded in a certain way, like, why yeah. Why does this live in romance? So I think, um, for me, it, it I'd always leaned towards dark. Um, I wrote romantic suspense books under a different name before becoming Nikki Sloan. 
And I kept putting <laughs> Sarah just the, her face like I'm what? Like, I'm like I'm out of books, Nikki. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, oh but <laughs> but they're they're you know those are those are my first books. They're romantic suspense. So that I'm they're, sure the voice is still terrific, oh, and we'll be talking later rough, about what that name is so that but, I can get them. But go on. <laughs> but um, so I kept putting these these sort of taboo elements of sort of like where the the heroine was like kissing the villain and my editor was like what are you doing (laughs) so she kept pulling them out and so then I was like that and my sex scene she was always toning down my sex scenes so I was like well now wait I have to ask was this with a traditional publisher these first no no it was indie as well okay so your but your editor was still like no no (laughs) yeah well she's like your romantic suspense reader doesn't want this much heat they they want to get back to the action. Point of order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure we're the best romantic suspense readers, Sarah. Sarah okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, it was getting to the point where, you know, it was like 25% of the book is sex scenes. And just like, you know, so, um, so that was when, that was what brought like about Nikki Sloan was I'm going to take all these hot sex scenes that I can't put in my romantic suspense. And I'm just going to dump them in this like little side novella that nobody's going to read and I'll just throw it up in KU and see what happens. Call it a day. But then it grew into a full book and then people did read it. They liked it. And so now my other pen name's completely dead. I mean, one of the things that we have talked about before on other episodes where we've really tackled erotic romance and taboo romance is how I believe that the some of the most interesting and most kind of revolutionary writing in romance right now is happening in erotic romance. And part of the reason why is because I think what Jen was just saying, in all the other genres, subgenres, we're really working toward a similar, we're working along a similar path. But I think in a lot of places in erotic romance, we're really bumping up against the emotions and the feelings and the um, kind of introspection that we might not be a thousand percent comfortable with as readers. Right. And because romance as a whole is such an introspective genre, it's such an emotional genre, it's really... Um, it's the only. It's one of the few genres that really tackles feeling feelings. Right. It makes sense that all the this kind of mishmash of weird feelings, including pants feelings about <laughs> taboo stuff, lives w- with us, and yeah. it lives over here in erotic romance where cool things are happening because erotic writers are, as we like to say, taking the finger, meaning like just pulling back. They're they're just, there's fearlessness around like which emotions we're going to play with today. Um, The other part of Jen's question about the reader reaction to it um, was fascinating and actually quite sad because um, I had many people reach out to me and say, I don't know what Amazon's deal is. This isn't rape. This is exactly how my first time was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, and then, you know, people saying this book's not dark enough. I don't understand why, you know, people are calling this a dark romance. And then other people that are like, oh my God, Amazon absolutely got it right. Um, I'm going to burn this book. It's, you know, horrifying and shame on you type thing. So I got the whole gamut. The gamut, right? Yeah. When I think about the rise of Me Too and, you know, sort of the, open kind of return to something we've always lived with in our country, right? Like 
Jim Crow and, you know, like sort of shutting down people's rights, like the fear that we're living with right now, it feels like it makes sense to me that we would be like sort of really digging into that in romance. And, you know, we don't have that. I guess horror romance probably exists, but not the same way, right? Like dark romance sort of is in its place. And so these really ugly sort of fearful emotions we have about our place in the world, it's kind of like, it's got to come out somewhere. And so then it's kind of like, this seems like a place that we could do that. I mean, I personally have like zero interest in like priest romances, for example. But I get that like, there's something sexy about stealing a man from God. Right. (laughs) Right? And I think that that's the other part, like, taboo can be really, and I know this is going to sound crazy, it can be really fun. I get it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're getting away with something. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so few ways that, like, people get away with things if you're, like, a rule follower, right? Yeah. Well, it's also kink, too, right? Yeah. Like, we say, like, oh, a priest kink, but, like, and fine, maybe a little bit. But at the same time, like, there's a kink to doing something there's an adrenaline rush when you do something wrong and it both feels good and you got away with it right right and so i think is that i mean is that what we're talking about when we're talking about taboo are we living in that that space is that the thing that unites all of these that's what it is for me taboo is something that elicits in me wrong you know Mm. in the back of my brain i go wrong but like I'm still so <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Yes. I mean, you you brought up in an email with me, Lila Pace is asking for it, which came in 2015, so a year before Sorted. And Lila, I think we've talked about asking for it on the podcast before, at least, you know, vaguely. But I think one of the things that she does that's so interesting in that book is she really rides this line of it's sort of consensual non-consent, right? So they... Ha- the the heroine her first experience was an assault was a, a was violent and um Lila had done a ton of research with trauma specialists and psychiatrists and psychologists and come up with and and realized that for a lot of people whose first experience is like that um often consent becomes a piece of their sexual right. th- what turns them on um, meaning non-consent becomes becomes a piece of them having they they can't they have to feel some sort of non-consent in order to achieve orgasm, and so she the heroine and the hero have this conversation really like early in the book where he has sort of the reverse they're kind of the perfect match, and um, they agree that they're going to embark on this relationship where he. They're they're consensually going to embark on a relationship that that focuses on non-consent in their sex life. And it is so wild when you come to this book for the first time. It was the first mm-hmm. time I'd read a modern. I mean, I of course have read lots of non-consent and romance in my lifetime. <laughs> but it was the first time I'd read it, you know, where it was like an intentional sex thing that had ch- been chosen by the author and designed to be kinky and like hot. And it is. And in the moment, you're sort of, as a reader, thinking, wrong, like what Nikki right, was saying. Right. But it's so perfectly layered. And I just think this goes back to what I was saying about erotic romance. Just doing the job in such a wildly 
perfect way because the thought that goes into a story like this is immense. I feel like I just want to be really careful, though, that we're not saying that if you're interested in kinky, taboo things, it's because you were abused no, or have some sort of right. something in your past. Of course, of course. No, no. And certainly, romance makes this mistake a lot. And that is not yes. what is... I. Yes, thank you, Jen. No. <laughs> right. Because I know you don't think that. I don't think that. This particular this book, book tackles yeah. this particular issue. Um, which, for this character. For this right. character and for, ostensibly for a lot of people. And I thought, it, I thought it was really compelling. And I also think, like, character-wise, it was a really interesting choice, right? Because she gives up so much control in the moment, but is the whole thing is about her taking control. It's sort of BDSM yeah, right. on, like, steroids, this book. Yeah. Right. And Nikki has done now. So that's a good example, too. BDSM, which felt super taboo in like 2011. <laughs> right. Right. And now right. it's like, well, I mean, if he's not hitting her, are we even reading her own yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's if not there spanking, why are we right. What are we doing? <laughs> right. Yep. Um, so, like, that's a good question. Do you think of something like the Blindfold, the Blindfold Club series as taboo? In 2015, I would have said yes, because Mm -hmm. that was, I mean, people, the the blindfold club is this club where, you know, women are blindfolded and tied down to the table and a man, you know, negotiates a purchase price so that he can do whatever he wants as long as it's on her list of things she's, her menu of things she's willing to do. And so I think in 2015, people were like, whoa, but now it's like people wouldn't even bat an eye at that because it's, it's nothing. I mean... Yeah. Well, that's the thing that's also really interesting, like how the boundaries change over time. Although I would argue that some things are always, I mean, is it always, for me, I feel like it's always just about power. Yes. Right. I was just like, going to say that. Right. Like if it's a teacher and a student or a priest or whatever, right. Like this, the power differential is really what makes it forbidden. Yeah. To that point, in the Blindfold Club series, there's that moment before each... So you should all go read it. In fact, if you Mm -hmm. have listened to our podcast, you know that we love it a lot. And there's the moment before all of the, you know, in the club, before the, you know, sex starts to happen, um, where there's always a negotiator, a kind of a go-between between the woman on the table who's not allowed to speak, right? And then the man who's, you know, bidding. And, Negotiating. And, there's kind, and there are all these signals between, and Nikki, you are right. so smart. It's always written from the perspective of the, of the woman on the table, so you know she is in full control yep. the whole time. And right. I think this also speaks to, this is where taboo starts to be interesting to me, from the writing perspective, because that choice of whose perspective are we in, what, you know, who has control in the moment, how does everybody feel about control in this moment? I mean, I think it's so brilliant, the structure that you've built into the Blindfold Club, where pe- where there's always a conversation being happen- happening without the men involved. Right. They think right. they're in control, but they're not. Not but at all. Not. Right. Right. Did you read, is this a real thing? Do does this happen in in clubs? Do you know, <laughs> or is it just not, the Nikki Sloan mind working? Yeah, not in any clubs I've been in. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, that's fiction. <laughs> I think. Okay, so can I talk about a book that I I read 
in preparation for this episode called The Shame Game by Hannah Murray. And one of the things that's really interesting about this book is it's not a classic romance because it is a couple that is already in a long-term, they're married, they're already in a long-term relationship. And um, she's, you know, it's like a well-established kind of dominant submissive, but they're married and they're partners and they're having sex at the beginning of the book and they sort of stumble into erotic humiliation right? Like sort of something plays out differently and she's like humiliated, but really turned on by it. And it's actually like not that big of a deal. Essentially, he asks her to masturbate and he doesn't really stay that close to her. It's like he kind of sits back to watch and she really feels. And so afterwards they talk about like what happened. And he was like, you were kind of turned on by that. And she's like, I was. And so they, they go out throughout the book then. They like push the boundaries of, like, this one specific kink that they've never explored before. And I will tell you, as a reader, I was, like, uncomfortable with some of it. Like, right. you know, it was, like, not my thing, right? And and yet, the way it plays out is, like, they would try something, and then they would, like, talk about it. Like, did it work for you? Did it work for me? And then, like, okay, let's try something else, and then it does or doesn't work. And yet, it so it's like this is really interesting because they're totally in control the whole time and are like really strong partners. But what they're doing, you know, it's like is really for a, would I think for a lot of you know people reading it would feel like oh this is too much, right? And so I was just really interested. And then like their boundaries are in different places, and I thought it was really great because it seemed to me that it was like. I mean, the the name of the series is literally Perfect Taboo. Um, but it seemed to me that it was, like, a different kind of taboo than, like, ooh, sexy priest, right? right like, yeah. it really was instead, like, true erotic romance and that it was, like, we are doing something that's, like, changing who we are. But in a way that both of us are, like, this is, woo, right? So I just thought if you're looking for, like, something, if you're interested in erotic romance, but you're like, I can't do priests or teachers or whatever, right? This might be an interest. It was just, it was fascinating. I really enjoyed reading it, but I also was really like, wow, this is really different at the same time. So I had a very similar sort of reading experience with the book um, Dirty Bad Wrong by Jade West, where uh, it's, it's probably the most hardcore BDSM book I've ever read. Um, and so there's a scene of wet play mm. where he spits in her mouth and then he pees in her mouth. And that is 100% not my kink. Um, not into that at all. But it was the first time where I, I read something and I said, this is not for me, but I totally get why they're into it. I think that really just shows how great of a writer Jade is because she really developed it and it made sense to me that I could sit back and I could sort of divorce my mind from my reaction to it and say, okay, I get it, you know? And I thought that was fantastic. I think that that is so true about all versions of taboo and dark, you know, wherever, whatever world we're, whatever pool we're swimming in. Because I think it it always goes back to what we say about all romance, which is um, in the hands of a great writer, you can be made to, you know, love any trope, right? Um, 
I'm with you. You said that, and I was like, oh, I don't think that's for me. But I'm always interested in how writers tackle these kinds of things because I think it does take a level of fearlessness that, I mean, that is right. a bold thing to to choose to write, knowing that you're going to lose... You're going to lose readers. Right. Yeah, a wide world of readers. It's just like supercharging something that happens at a very low level when I read like an alpha hole. Like, I don't want this man in my life for real, but I would read every single book about you, right? So then it's kind of like, okay, so if I can imagine a kind of character, I mean, and that's why ultimately something I really personally, I don't really read, you know, they used to say that like women read romance and like pretended they were the characters, and I always thought that was never really my experience every once in a while. But usually when I have that feeling, it's like, I want to be this person's friend. Not right. Like not that I want to be in this relationship, but I feel like this, I think that's the thing with like taboo is it really is like, I'm just an outsider looking in. So I want to talk about this line as somebody who writes taboo and clearly like writes it beautifully. I want to talk about where how you decide as a writer where the line is, right? Because, and I'm thinking about Filthy Rich Americans, because for the first, and you know, I can tell you know what I'm going to say, even though we've never talked about this. I can see it on your face. (laughs) But so there are three books, and then there's a standalone. And in the three books, you follow the same couple, but possibly, like, there is a, there are three in this, there are three people in this relationship. It's, it's a bit of a love triangle. Uh-huh. But it's very one-sided. So it's between, you know, two people who are, you know, you know, into, very into each other. The main characters of this series, there's, you know, a lot of family drama and vengeance and money and power and scandal. And, you know, it has all the things that, I mean, you should all go read it as it's delicious. I tore through it. Um, but there is a villain, I'm going to say, with a question mark. <laughs> no, that's right. That's accurate. <laughs> An anti-hero who is the hero's father. And he is obsessed with the heroine. I think that's a clear, that's, that's an yes. accurate statement. He is. I mean, book two is the obsession. Yeah. I mean, he cannot stop thinking about this heroine. And they have this, like, intense sexual chemistry. Like, you just feel like anytime these two are on the page together, it's... And, surely they are going to bone. Like, surely this is going to happen. <laughs> and then, and then literally, as I started, I tried really hard to avoid any discussion of this series while it was coming out because I knew I love your books. And so I knew eventually I was going to lay in my bed and read them all, one, two, three. Um, and so whatever, Joanna Shoup would start to text me about them. And I would say, I'm sorry, Joanna, I'm close for business today. Find someone else to talk to about Nikki Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> but the... the um, they never do in those first three books. Right. Like, they don't, I mean, they do a lot, there's a lot of, like, stuff that happens, but you never, you walk yeah. us right up to the line and then pull us back. Right. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that choice, if you're comfortable talking about sure. that choice. Because then, of course, he gets his own book, and it's like, it's the biggest, it's like, it's like a reader orgasm when you get that book because you're like, finally, I get yeah. this antihero, like in his full, in 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 his like a full character. Yeah, yeah, he's and he's magnificent, and you've just kept us on this tightrope about him, and it's you're a genius, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You know, 
not very cleverly, but the reality is you are. And that whole series is such a perfect court to heads. But tell me about why the first three books you really pull back. So I wish I could tell you that I, I was a genius and I planned it all out this way, <laughs> but I did not. So in the first draft of the initiation, you know, the initiation scene, which is the the big taboo element of the book. Wait, so tell everybody about the, are you fine with sharing? I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I so, yeah. you guys, so, knowing it's happening, I don't think changes how amazing it is. So, yeah. So, so the heroine, um, let me back up the hero is taking a seat on the company board. And um, his family has a tradi- tradition that when you take the seat... Oh, my God. Wait, you have to go back. You have to explain <laughs> that it's historical. I forgot until this moment, and it's so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so his his family's bank is... I, I, I'm just going to try and sum it up. I'm not very good no. at summarizing. Okay. But um, <laughs> but so he he, to take a seat... He has to basically have a, a partner, like a wife, and the the wife is part of the partnership. So she has to submit to the board for him to take his seat. So it it's that every board member gets one minute with the the wife. And um, in the first draft, it started with McAllister, the the, the father, the dad, the. It's supposed to start with the chairman. The chairman gets the first minute and the last minute. And so in the first draft, he did. He got his first minute and his last minute. And my, I, two of my three beta readers were like, I'm done. I'm not interested really? in the same. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So. They were wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't no, say but they, they were wrong. But- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because. Well, but I think it's the difference between, like, is it taboo or erotic romance, right? Like, if right. you don't want it to be taboo, then maybe it's wrong. Well, and they argued that it was it was plenty taboo that these, you know... That there were, like, eight, nine eight other men... to eat out this girl. Exactly. <laughs> so, so they, you know, I mean, she... They're not allowed to have sex with her, but they can do pretty much anything else. And so, um, so yeah, there's, like, these eight basically strangers that are all, like, her dad's age that get to have a minute with her. And so they they were like, we'll cross that line, but we won't cross the hero's father. Yeah, the father. That's the line the too far. Dad. So by taking that out... Well, I gotta say, I probably would have crossed that hero's dad line. <laughs> I mean, maybe not in the first book, maybe, but by certainly, I mean, my God, by the time I got to the end of those three books, I was like, I need to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> this is too much. Um, anyway, it's really fabulous, but the... But maybe there is that, right? Like, there's the dad piece while you're in love with the... There's a there's certainly a love triangle piece, too. The sort of natural yeah. inclination of romance readers is to toss out a love triangle. Okay, we've listed a bunch of things I think we would all agree are taboo. And one we haven't talked about is bully romance, mm. which I think of as being... Um, like, so, and then sometimes people talk about, like, a book I really loved is Never Sweeter by Charlotte Stein, but I wouldn't call it a bully romance because he's actively redeeming himself for his past behavior. Yeah, it's a one long grovel. Right. So I do wonder, is one element of taboo that the base situation does not change, right? Like, does that make sense? So, like, is it, 
does the priest have to stay a priest? Does the love triangle with the dad, does he, I mean, right? Like he's always going to be the father. He can't not be. That's what makes it taboo, right? Like, does that make sense? Or is it something, or is it just that it's just forbidden? Some things are forbidden and that's it. Because like, if the person leaves the priesthood for it, it's not really taboo anymore. (laughs) Like, I don't know, right? Like you fall in love with the priest and they leave the priesthood and then get with you. It's not taboo. It's only taboo if they're still a priest. Is that true? Do you see what I'm saying? I think that's true. No? Nikki disagrees. I I disagree. Because, I mean, so I I just finished an arc, Lessons in Sin, by Pam Godwin. And he's a priest. But it's also a guardian ward, which I think we will probably get into talking about soon. Yes, right. My (laughs) favorite. So, um, (laughs) for me, the book is taboo, even if he... If he leaves the priesthood for her, it's why? it's all of why? You mean the book is taboo? Oh, yeah. For me, the book is book. still taboo. Yeah. Okay. Because because of yeah, I know. I agree. They get I agree with that. Right. If, if he's a priest, I don't know if that ever would happen. I mean, right? the, if the he's breaking his a, vow, look the right. promise of the premise of a priest romance. I'm sorry, is like you're gonna bone on the altar. Like that's it. If you don't do yeah. that, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> or at Agreed. least in church somewhere. Like, right. If you're really doing it, I mean, it's different if you're like flea bag, right? Like, where there's just like a will they, won't they, maybe they smooch chastely, like at the bus stop, right? That doesn't feel taboo to me at all. Right. Maybe right. that felt taboo to TV watchers around the world, but romance yeah. readers know better. <laughs> Don't you think, Jen? Wait, you're not I convinced. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like if the taboo part is stealing a man from God, right? Then I guess it doesn't, then you've stolen him from God. It doesn't matter like when and where but, you But I mean, do you it. don't steal him from God until the end, right? Like, isn't the conflict of a priest romance usually, I mean, shouldn't it be like, will he leave or not? Right. It's God versus, it's a love triangle. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't Tiffany Rice have, I mean, Soren's a priest, but. I wouldn't call that taboo for that reason, but he doesn't leave God. He doesn't leave God. And that series rides that interesting line for me of like, is it really romance? Like, I think it lives with us because it lives with us because we're welcoming of it. But like, I think it really is doing a lot of other business, but maybe not. I mean, that's just my opinion. We're like naming all these things that are power differentials, right? So it's like, Priest, we all agree it's like, okay, priest romance is for sure in the pool. But like, and you know, teacher student is for sure in the pool. But like, doctor, doctor, certain doctor. Right? But again, like, there's it's weird, More right? More so if it's a shrink or an If it's a shrink yeah. or a gynecologist, that feels then a, taboo. But like, if it's just right. like your a GP, no. yeah, like, right. Like, um, Ruby Lang has an allergist and a patient. Like, that's fine, fine right? <laughs> So, but that's the thing, right? But so then I, here's the thing I was thinking about. Okay, the patriarchy. Boss assistant, there's really no reason it shouldn't be in that pool. The reason it's not is because it's so common. Yeah. Gosh, I don't think of that as taboo at all. People on Twitter talk about boss assistant like it is, like, they apologize for it a lot when they say, like, oh, well, there it's boss assistant, so, you know. And sure. I'm like, I get it. I get that there's a power thing, but is there really? Like, I mean, like, it's not the same as priests. One of the things about <laughs> something being taboo, though, is both that it's forbidden and it's, I would say, 
it doesn't happen that often. We don't see it that often, right? I mean, sure. between Fleabag the le- and Priest, the there was the Thornbirds 40 years earlier or whatever, right? Yeah, but that's not the same. Priest comes with, Priest Kink comes with like, I mean, a lot of sin, right? Right. Well, sure, but my point is, is it's like if if it was something that was on, I mean, no boss is going to hell for like falling in love with his assistant. Yeah, the stakes right. are so much higher. Fundamental. Yeah. I mean, like maybe they are, but like that probably not for that reason. I think the problem is, is we in romance we say falling in love with their assistant, but in real life, it's sexual harassment. Often, yeah. Right. Yeah. When we're talking about me too. We're not talking about bosses falling in love with their assistants. No, but Jen, right? yeah. we're not talking about me too. Like, no, I know, but I, I, what I'm trying to say is, I think actually we are. I think we are. <laughs> to me, the rise of these romances and like us wondering where the boundaries are is because the boundaries are being reset, or we're seeing that like the things that we thought were fair and safe and good maybe weren't. Or, right? I don't know. Like I, like, I think there is a part of these conversations that is in conversation with Me Too. And I would like to point out, I am I want all these motherfuckers to go to jail. Look, no, I think you're a thousand percent correct that it is some, that the writing of the books is evolving yes. based yes. on the world. In concert with this, like, right. Enthusiastic consent on the page, there's a reason why books are hotter. Dirty talk is hotter now than it was 50 years ago. And it's because 50 years ago, we didn't worry so much about making sure enthusiastic consent was overt on page, right? right? There's a reason why sex scenes, like often sex scenes that have this kind of like questionable consent, why in a a boss secretary romance, often the first sex scene is in the perspective of the secretary, right? Right. So that we know she's all in and she doesn't feel pressured. I can tell you that that if I were going to write Sorted today, I don't know if it would be the same. Just from how much stuff has changed yeah. with me too and, you know, books, me wanting to make my books more sex positive. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, I, I was a baby author back then. I didn't have the fear or expectations or any of that stuff. It was very freeing. But the world was different, too, It right? was. It was. Nikki, I don't think that's just people who write erotic romance either. If I were writing Nine Rules, my first romance, again, I don't think I would write at least one scene the same way. Right. Yeah. The world is changing, and when you know better, you do better. Right. But I think that's what I guess I'm trying to say is, to me, like, taboo romance is really, like, and you've said this already, where we're really working through, like, what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about, like, bully romance, which I will admit I've only read Charlotte Stein. And I don't think that, I don't think people who read bully romance would, like, even put Charlotte close to the pool. I agree, right? I think it's doing something different. But I'm kind of like, but what is it doing? Is it doing something that's where it's like, what are we working through? Is always my question, right? What are we working through? And I think it's clearer to me when it's like taboo, right? Like rule breaking and sin and, right, the way that these things have really been like hardwired into society and are like kind of fight against them. But also like the ways in which we are highly... I don't know, socialized to believe that certain behavior on the part of men is okay. Mm. I've been thinking a lot recently about how 
in this, in erotic romance, taboo romance, and uh, dark romance, we're mm-hmm. seeing echoes of the heroes from that you know began the genre, right? right? Yes, and I and we are so we. You and I, Jen, and lots of others in romance have spent a lot of time saying, like, those heroes existed because they represent patriarchy, right? Like, they represent misogyny. They represent yes. the barriers that we that that women in 1972 faced. But the truth is that women and other marginalized people face the same problems now, and dark, taboo, and erotic romance are some of the only places in the genre that are still having this conversation. I Maybe you just said that in a way. I was oh, all, I misunderstood you. I was understanding you. No, I think that's what I was trying to say. I'm, I misunderstood you. you. I thought you were saying something else. I thought you were saying, like, we hate, you know, why do these men still exist? Like, these no, men exist I because think, they represent the same right. thing yes. they represented 50 years yes. ago. Right. And our fears about our... Like, the fall of—the impending fall of Roe and, right, like, all of this stuff. These books, I mean, my God, McAllister, hail. <laughs> I mean, not to keep harping on Nikki Sloan being a genius, you guys, but whatever. Just hear someone <laughs> say it, it to her. Um, I've never had a chance—I've met Nikki once before, and she was very studiously writing, and so I didn't have a chance <laughs> to sit down with her and just yell at her face about how much I love her books. Anyway, so I'm going to do it now. She's stuck here with us. But, like, McAllister, hail— goes through three books as an anti-hero and possibly and a villain like not an anti-hero a villain and he does terrible terrible things he is patriarchy distilled right, oh, yeah. right? and then he gets his own book where he is broken by the heroine mm-hmm. just f- fucking destroyed right. and it is great and the <laughs> the sense of like redemption is i mean that's yeah. what it's called. <laughs> but also, like, right. you're, the reader is redeemed. Like, uh, for all, just wanting him for that complicated feelings that we had for, the complicated we- feelings that we had for him and for patriarchy, right? Yeah. And now suddenly he's broken down and rebuilt as a, like, legitimately, v- par- a legitimate partner who, like, deserves love in some way, but also, like, gets that he was an asshole, right? He is punished. It's four books that tell the story of, you know, the way that the world treats marginalized people. You know what, though, I I was thinking about, too, is the Nashville Neighborhood series. (sighs) Because I would say a lot of people would maybe just call that straight more like erotic romance, but I think like the taboo element there is like the suburbs, right? That's like, interesting. <laughs> I mean, really, like, yeah. I, like, like the whole, like, I don't know, like, does that make sense? I feel like you know, romance really valorizes like small towns, and then there's like a lot of big cities. But like, name the romances other than those you can think of that are literally like in the burbs, right? And yet, all the stuff that's happening there is like super. <laughs> and super dirty and i was like the taboo element of that book to me of that series to me is its setting you're showing your chicago no i know (laughs) but no i'm no but i mean i'm serious like sarah i get it because i'm from chicago 
<laughs> right, but like name another. No, but I mean, I am actually dead serious. Like name another series no. of books set in the suburbs. And the weight of the suburb in those series is yes. heavy. The woman who doesn't like the, you know, like the, <laughs> the HOA. The head the of the HOA or whatever. All yes. the neighbors. Yeah. I mean, so I was like really, I'm not. I'm, this no. is not like a city small town thing. I know, I know, I do. Well, that because a lot, but if those characters lived in a city, right? No big deal. No, I mean, it would just be like, oh, right. yeah, that's, I mean, who knows? They're just another weirdo on my block, right? Yeah. But so the whole idea of like living your life in a place that wants you to conform. Right. And this is why themes like Guardian Ward kind of work so well because so guardian ward was i mean that's the original nikki we didn't do what we usually do on faded mates but like have you been a romance novel reader for a long time how did you come to romance (laughs) let's just start now an hour in (laughs) this actually this actually works great though this is is, Uh yeah yeah because um my parents are avid readers they've always super supported my sister and i and all growing up they told us you can have whatever book you want and I'm doing air quotes here, within reason, um, we'll buy it for you. Whatever book you want to read, we'll buy it for you. But the within reason for my father meant literary quality, and that excluded all romance. If it had a shirtless man on the cover or a couple (laughs) in an embrace, I was not allowed to read it. Mm -hmm. So I had to look for the romance books that did not have the couples on the cover, which is how I found... V.C. Andrews. I was able to sneak that in. <laughs> Perfectly normal. <laughs> for a 12-year-old to read that, right? Very I read in it when reason. I was 12, too. Very yes, in reason. <laughs> so that's, I think that's what, what I mean, shaped me there you as are. a romance reader. because Installed your buttons. Yeah. So I didn't really read romance until uh, college, probably. So Guardian Ward, I mean, comes from... Old school historical. Are we just gonna not talk about flowers in the attic? Oh, let's it's just do like it. Right there yeah, we, on the let, table. you did. You're right, <laughs> Eric. Take out me. Let's just do it. I was like, I'm sorry. I mean, Sarah, flowers like, in the attic came up. We did so a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Anne Stewart's Tangled Lies, which is an old category romance, Nikki. That is bananas. <laughs> I've read Anne Stewart, but not that one particular. So this one is the one where the heroine believes that the hero is her brother, and she turns up. At his house in Hawaii, although, and we didn't talk about this there, but there isn't a single person of color in this entire oh, book. No, no, you would right. never know. But he happens to live in Hawaii, and he, uh, she show, she turns up at his house in Hawaii, and she's, like, instantly drawn to him, and she thinks that it's because this is how sisters feel for their brothers. And then... Um, and then it, they, they actually end up kissing before... It becomes clear. He knows from the beginning that he's not her brother, obviously. (laughs) And so she and he's just like basically being a jerk, pretending to be her brother. And then they kiss and she's like, oh, my God. And it's named the whole time incest. Like she uses the word incest constantly in the book. It's bananas, Um, especially because it's a category. It's like a perfect example of how there were just no rules. It was the Wild West in categories in the 80s. But the point is that when we were doing that, we were talking about incest in romances and how, like not pseudo incest, like incest incest. Incest. (laughs) Um, And how Vi Keelan and Penelope Ward have a book where it's possible that the hero, it becomes clear that it's possible the hero and heroine could be half-siblings, and they have to take a DNA test. 
And then um, Seer Simone, Simone, somebody pointed yeah. out. Thorn in, Chapel. In, yeah, the Thorn Chapel series has twin brothers who um, it becomes clear that they are having, that they are related and they just keep going. So in classic, hey, there's a reason why we call it the Sierra Simone scale of Tavern Romance. Sure. Because sure. <laughs> so V.C. Andrews. So we talked about that's how we got to V.C. Andrews. Well, and it, somebody actually shared a podcast I haven't had a chance to listen to yet that said that this trope, like sort of incest, is a really, it comes to us through horror. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Sure, because yeah. in in like right. Crimson Peak and other like gothic romances, there's always that yes, like the gothic, right? Mm-hmm. Two sad children raised in a horrible environment. Which is VC Andrews. Right. Right, of course. Well, and the thing I think about a lot with 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 VC Andrews is okay. I mean, I read those books really when I shouldn't have. I guess we all did if you're around <laughs> my age, but the fact of the matter is there's a clear bad guy that put them in this situation. It's their mother, right? And so part of it, too, is, like, the broken family created that situation. I don't know. Like, it's really interesting. I I can't imagine reading it now, but it is weird how it, like, looms over a lot of the stuff when I think about it. Yeah. Then there's guard. Then there are sort of the simpler... the. The simpler taboo, maybe they're not simple, but I mean, I feel like Guardian Ward now is considered taboo, but when I, I feel like when I heard that, and maybe it was Sierra who said that to me, like, Guardian Ward is taboo, I was like, wait, what? Because, well, because it's like a, literally, like, came up reading romance, it was just so Half of the books that I read in the (laughs) 80s and 90s were Guardian Ward, right? Because there's no clearer distillation right. of patriarchy than, like, this asshole who now is in charge of your life, right? <laughs> and it's just right. trying to get you married out from under him, right? Which is a historical. It's the whole, right. that's the whole ball game with Guardian Ward and historicals. But Guardian Ward p- modern priest feels like, I believe that's taboo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that Lessons in Sin is is definitely a taboo book. I mean, it's great. It's fantastically written um and it's just the the way i think with guardian ward i think it the longer they're together as guardian and ward before they mm-hmm. like if he's changing her diapers that's super taboo too much you right. know what i mean right. it's too much so for me lessons in sin works because she comes to the school where he's the headmaster he's he's a priest he's the headmaster and so she's you know she's 17 she comes to the school she turns 18 um and he's in charge of her classes and getting her ready to graduate everything so it's it's not just that he's a priest it's also that he's this father figure to her this, yeah um so it it was it was pushing all my buttons in, in the right way well, and that's it. I think with these books, there's books that are going to be like, oh, this is the this is the dark corner right. that's interesting to me or that pushes my buttons for whatever reason, right, versus the ones that you're like, mm, not for me. I mean, I guess the other piece of it is, and when you say it in the modern way, it does sound super taboo, which is it's technically, it's like stepfather romance. Right. Right. Yeah. Which it never feels like in 
old historicals. It feels like, oh, this woman has just sure. been, like, delivered. This, like, eight, sure. 17-year-old has been delivered to the doorstep of some person she's never met before, right? So, like, right. it goes back to what you were saying. There is a QB Tyler book that I want to mention. Hang on. I'm trying to get the title. I think it's called Love Unexpected. But if if you have other things to say, say them, and then I'll get the, I'll come back to it. I would not be interested in reading, like, a, I don't know, like a therapist-patient romance where neither one of them ever thinks, like, oh, this is wrong. You have to acknowledge, yeah. Yes. Well, because you want it to feel visceral, right? And this yeah, is one of the things right. Jen and I, so you all know this by now, but, like, we do the podcast, but then we also, for the other six days a week, <laughs> we just talk <laughs> at each other texting. about romance novels all the time. So it's just, you just get one little glimpse of our life. <laughs> but... We were talking about this recently that, like, one of the things that we think is so important to kind of keep hitting home about romance, and we've talked a lot about how it's it's really about joy. Like, romance is about you're supposed to enjoy it. You're supposed to love the yeah. read. It's not supposed to feel like work. It's not supposed to feel like medicine, right? But in this, in these books, I think they really underscore the other piece, which is, like, romance is really about the visceral, your visceral feelings. Like, it's supposed to make your tummy feel funny. It's supposed yeah. to make your mm-hmm. heart race. It's supposed to have a physical, re- you're supposed to have a physical reaction to reading romance novels, which is not something that most people feel they're supposed to have when they're reading a book. And right. so I think, again, taboo is supposed to make you feel nervous. Yes. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, like, kind of delighted and maybe a little ashamed. Like, you're really (laughs) dealing with a lot of, like, things. Right. You're dealing with a lot of feelings. You're feeling a lot of feelings. You want, Um, like, a reader to be looking around, like, making sure nobody knows that they're reading it? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So the book that I wanted to just mention, which is a stepfather romance that I I actually really enjoyed was um, Love Unexpected because I think, you know, QB Tyler, QB Tyler, her Love Unexpected. And he has been her stepfather for a long time and is also the prince was also the principal of her middle school. Like she's no they've known each other for a long time. I know. And I, too, made that face, Jen. Right. But then I read it <laughs> said middle school and I, was I like, read a different <laughs> QB Tyler book. And yeah. I was like, you know, this is what. I think I can't remember where what we were talking about when we talk. I've talked about QB Tyler before on the podcast, and I can't remember yeah. what episode. But it was one of those moments where I was like, you know, you have it's you're I'm like the kombucha lady, you know that <laughs> gif where you're like she like tastes the kombucha and she's like ew, and then she's mm. like oh, wait what mm, maybe, <laughs> and I feel like yeah. it's one of those moments where in taboo you're often like a frog in a pot of soon-to-be-boiling water. <laughs> yep, <laughs> this right. feels fine. I'm just going to go a little bit warmer. And in this case, like, sh- her mother dies. She's deep. Like, they're both grieving. Like, she's over 18. You know, mm-hmm. and so, mm-hmm. and there's just, like, a moment where, like, they find each other, and then it's like, oh, my God, what is going to happen between these two people? And it... um it really does give you that sense of like, oh, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. But then like, well, if they found each other, they found each other, right? Which is how in great romance, that's how when you read like the pool boy or whatever, you're like, you, they found each other. This is right. great. 
Good for them. <laughs> it's so hard to find somebody. Nikki, did you get pushback on the pool boy because of gender? Like, because you've also, you wrote the doctor, right? Where it's the reverse. She's much younger than he is. I didn't, I didn't get um, anybody like saying, like, why'd you do this? Or I'm not, Mm -hmm. but I did get some people that they were more hesitant because they, Mm. their preference is for the more experienced man. They don't like an inexperienced man. Although I'd argue Troy's not inexperienced. Right. (laughs) But um he's just younger right yeah because i still have i mean the the heroine in the pool boy is even though she's much older than him she's not very experienced at all been in a terrible marriage for however long a long time right right so i did get a little bit of pushback on the doctor because um you know that that's probably one of my more taboo books i would say because not just that it's the her ex-boyfriend's father or that he's a doctor, but there's there's a scene where he tells her that when she came over for prom, yeah, he yeah. that was the first moment he saw her in a prom dress where she looked like a woman, like an adult, and he right. had feelings that were very wrong. Right, and so right. she, of course, goes home and gets the prom dress and comes back and puts it on for sure. him, and and so. He even yeah. says something like, this is so fucked up. Because it is. And I had right. two of my beta readers, different two, were like, this is inappropriate. I don't I think like in this. the Katie Roberts series with the Guardian the Ward, it's like a similar yeah. thing where she's 25, I think, by the time anything happens. But sh- they go back and, like, she essentially, like, they reenact. And and it's her, she initiates it. And I think that's an important part of it. They reenact like her birthdays from previous years. And, you know, it's really interesting because then that's like another really interesting part where it's like at this point, you know, there's nothing actually taboo about like a relationship. You know, again, she barely knew him. She's 25 right. now, whatever. But when you go back and revisit those scenes where that potential was there. Um, and I think it, even in the one where it's, um, your dad will do that. He's sort of like, there's this talk between them. Like, do you wish, cause she, what happens is she, in that one, she breaks up with her boyfriend and then goes to his father. And there's this talk about like, you know, he's like, do you wish he would walk in and see you with me? And you're kind of, and it's like, they're like, it's hot, it's sexy, it's role play, but then he actually does. And then at that moment, it's not really sexy at all. And it's really interesting the way, at least if I'm remembering correctly, maybe it is, I'm not sure. Um, Maybe it is for some people, right? I think that that's the part that's really interesting too, is the way that they role play into the most taboo elements of the relationship they're having. Right. I also think it's like a safety mechanism for readers. Yeah, so. it's valid. Yeah, it's, right? Yeah. Sure. It's it not feels real. Yeah. It's right. They're playing. And we are too. But it does feel, again, it's like the the promise of the premise of taboo is you're gonna be taken into uncomfortable places. And yeah. I do think the part of the reason maybe this goes maybe I'm coming around to why do you why does it live here in our pool, right? And I think it lives here I think, you know, dark romance 
lives here in our pool, taboo romance lives here in our pool, because ultimately readers are carried to safety in a way they are not yes. carried to safety in other places, right? right? Like, Agreed. you can use taboo romance to explore all your weird, funny, strange, dark, kinky feelings. Right. And then at the end, you can go about your day and pick your kid up from school and be a normal person. Not that you're abnormal if you do any of this, <laughs> these things, but you know what I mean? No, like, I think that's you can, like, part of it, right? live your quiet suburban life. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> like you can experience the rule breaking from a place of safety. I've I have recently been my eyes have been open to this idea that people with pineapples on their doors are oh. actually <laughs> swingers, and I'm like, this is amazing. And I'm about to go home to my sub my, the suburban neighborhood I grew up in, and you can bet I'm going to be taking the dog for a walk, checking out everyone's <laughs> doors. So my neighbors have one of those little lawn flags. That has a pineapple on it. So my husband, when it first went out, my husband and I were like, ooh, what's happening over there? <laughs> if only they knew what was happening in your brain, Mickey. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Nikki, well, it was really great to have you. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Much for Good. joining I'm us. Glad. I'm sorry. I, I hope that you didn't feel like we were just talking at you the whole time. No, no, not at all. Um, tell everyone what's coming next and where they can find you. So um, I'm taking a little bit of a break. I've started writing The Temptation, which is book five in the Filthy Rich American series. Um, but Wait, uh, I can you tell us more about that? And by us, I mean <laughs> we. Me. Um, so... <laughs> So it's, I can tell you, it's it's Vance's book, and um, we haven't met the heroine before. She's new. She's very much an outsider. Um, and uh, it's going to be super fun. I have so much stuff, like, I made my id list and wrote down all the things that I nice. want to put in it. I'm Yay. so excited to write it. But uh, I struggled. Last year was a rough year for me writing. Yeah. I, I pushed back my deadlines on both of my books, and so I'm sort of trying to refill the well so that I can do The Temptation justice. So uh, I don't have a release date for The Temptation. I'm hoping that um, maybe late summer or fall for The Temptation. Um, And then uh, NikkiSloan.com is where you can find all my stuff. So fun. Well, as you know, we love you. We think your books are great. And we'd love to have you back to talk more with us about other things. I would love that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Come talk about Flowers in the Attic with us. Right. (laughs) We're never doing that. Well, we read along. I don't, I'm going to let that one just live in its grave in my yep. brain. Yep. When the arsenic donuts. Fine. Yes. Fine. Oh, my God. The arsenic donuts. The world. Woof. Can you imagine? Why today would just fall right off a cliff? Yeah. It actually is. I can't even imagine YA Twitter right now. If like flowers, in, in flowers in the attic published. hit the shelves. <laughs> Woo! Um, well, everyone, this is Fate of Mates. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Jen. Yeah, I know. I'm like, <laughs> we're going to introduce ourselves in the last minute. Eric's going <laughs> to No, I said welcome to Fate of Mates at the very beginning. You did at the beginning. I gave him a chance to put the music in. Um, and you can find us at fateofmates.net, where you can find links to everything. Show notes are amazing. And, oh, yeah, and I have a book. <laughs> Jen's like, bombshell. Um, bombshell. I have a book coming out uh, August 24th. It's called Bombshell. It's the first in a new series about a Victorian-era girl gang. It just got a very nice review. 
um, where somebody said it was a stunner from a Romance Landia favorite, which is really nice. That's so nice. Put it on a tote bag, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really just because there are, you know, big explosions in it. So if you like things blowing up, you might like this book. Also, there's kissing. <laughs> all right. Thanks all right. for being with us, Nikki. And thanks. thank you all for listening. 